He said, well, that's all legal. Do you have anything else? And she said, yes, I've got a 357 in the console. And he said, well, ma'am, do you have anything else? And she said, yeah, under the blanket in the back is a sawed-off 12-gauge shotgun. He said, well, ma'am, all that's legal. But he said, what, what are you so afraid of? And she said, nothing. <laughs> I'll tell you when, you, when you get equipped like that, you can be afraid of nothing. Amen? <laughs> Mark chapter 13, would you stand in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? The Bible says... Beginning in verse 1, as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. Jesus answering said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter, James, John, Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am, and I shall deceive many. And when you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be not troubled, for such things must needs be. But the end shall not be yet. Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be earthquakes in divers places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of of sorrow. Father, we ask you today to just let your word penetrate our hearts today. May your Holy Spirit have freedom to do as you so please in this service, and we'll glorify and praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Jesus is on the Mount of Olives now. He's what, what theologians call, this is the Olivet Discourse. It's found in the book of Matthew 24-25. It's found in Luke, and it's found here. It's the prophecy dealing with end times. Dealing with end times. I'll never forget, it's been probably 25, 26, 27 years ago. My wife and our kids and I were going to Colorado, Estes Park, Colorado, to have an old-fashioned Christmas. Not going to buy anything. Nobody's going to have any electric lights. We're going to pop popcorn. We're making decorations. We're doing everything. So I get to Estes Park on Christmas Eve. And uh, there's so many tree huggers up there, you cannot buy a tree in Estes Park, Colorado. There's not a live tree nowhere around. We went to a Western Auto store and got a $250 tree for $25. And we set the thing up. That's the only artificial thing we had. Pop popcorn, did all this. Well, we had a great week skiing, just a great time. And so Jason hurt himself. Uh, fell. He, he missed a lady. He, he kept from wiping her out. I saw the whole thing. He really should have just knocked her completely out, but he didn't. He's got a, a mercy and kindness, and, but he, he hit his knee. And uh, Jason is, is uh, what's that word I'm looking for, Jason? Lazy? <laughs> is that it? <laughs> Jason said, Dad, I'm hurt. I said, Son, we paid to ski down this mountain. You going back up again, and you going to ski down this mountain. And we did that, and uh, my wife is sitting there mad as a wet hen, even today, 30 years later. He had injured his leg. By the time we got back to the little cabin, that thing was about twice that big, and the thing said, we got to have surgery. So we loaded him up in the car, headed back to, to Port Arthur. We had a doctor there, and we'd already called. Everything was set. Uh, it was in the days before cell phones, and we're, uh, you're, you're flipping through an old AM radio trying to figure out 
the weather report. There's ice and snow everywhere, but I think I've got it made. We'll get down this far. I topped this hill. It looked like World War III down there. And about that time, whee, we hit the ice, you know, and it was just a party from then on out. And we got there in the hotel, and I'd already been to two hotels. And, and I said, when I got to the third one, I said, I don't want to make anybody mad. I'm not trying to cut in front of anybody. But I've already been to two hotels, and then about two before we got to rent a room, they say, sorry, all the rooms are gone. So, ma'am, would you just tell us how many rooms you have right now? so that we don't have to stand up in line here for 45 minutes and then told that we don't have any more rooms. She said, we've got X number of rooms. I looked, and I was the one right in front of the cutoff. So we were all talking about all the, and, and the, 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 talking about the scene out there on the freeway. And this one guy says, man, there were tires squealing. There were people screaming and, and cars. He said it was like the end of the world. And I thought, what, is this like the end of the world? See, Jesus is going to talk about the end of the world, and he begins to describe it here in Mark chapter 13. And I don't think it's going to be exactly, there's going to be some screaming, there's going to be some gnashing of teeth and some things going on, but it's not exactly what we're talking about in an ice storm. It's an anniversary today, May the 21st, 2011. The great evangelist, oh, I shouldn't say that, but Harold Camping had predicted May 21st, 2011, the world was coming to an end. It didn't happen. If you keep up with the Mayan calendars, you know that in December of 2012, the world's supposed to come to an end. It didn't happen. I heard about those two Mayans who were making that calendar. It's in a circle. They were engraving it in the stone. And one of them said, hey, we don't have enough room on this calendar except going through December of 2012. The other Mayan said, somebody's going to freak out about that time. And that's exactly what happened there. Man, I'll tell you, Jesus does not give us a date, but he does give us some descriptions. No man knows the, the hour. I'm one of those old preachers that if some guy did get lucky and guess the hour and the day, if I was God, I'd change it just so he wouldn't be right. We don't know when he's going to come back, but we are shown some things here. Let me just give a couple of things. I'm going to cut the short sermon from three points down to two, all right? So we'll get through here. Let me give you something. Jesus speaks, first of all here, of immediate destruction, verses 1 and 2. There's an immediate time. There's a temple complex here. Matthew 24 is a parallel passage of Mark 13. And the disciples ask three questions. Now listen, if you don't get these three questions straight, it is going to mess your end of prophecy, end of day prophecy completely up. There are three questions asked in Matthew. He points it out explicitly. When will these things happen? He's talking about the destruction of the temple. And then what are the signs of your coming? And what are the signs of the end of the age? Now, if you don't understand that Jesus was asked three different questions, it's going to confuse you for the rest of your life. There are those who read this passage about the destruction of the temple, and they say, well, all the prophecies have been fulfilled by the year A.D. 70 or the first century, close to it there. That's not in the Bible. The Bible begins with immediate destruction. Now, they're looking at these buildings, these temple buildings, and wow. Look at all these stones. Look at these jewels. Look at this magnificent structure here. And Jesus says the day's going to come when this thing's going to be torn down. Now, he spoke that 40 years before uh, the, the, uh, the Romans tore it down. It'd be like you going back to September the 10th, 2011, 
and you're standing there in New York Harbor, and you say, see them two tires over there? By noon tomorrow, they're going to be down. You're going to say, well, that's crazy. Well, you can't predict that. But the temple was destroyed 41 years after Jesus made that statement. Now, it shows us three things here. It shows us, first of all, that the system that they have is corrupt. Jesus has been talking about that the whole time, the emptiness of their religion. It was corrupt, their religious system. To the Jews, everything was about the temple. It was all about the temple. This is how you get to heaven. You do these do things, and you don't do these don't things. That's how you get to heaven. Uh, the difference between Christianity and every other basic religion in this world, whether it's a false religion or a hope-to-be religion, the difference between basic Christianity is all these other religions are trying to show you how you can reach up to get a hold of God to go to heaven. But basic Christianity, Bible Christianity, tells you you can't reach up to God. But God has already reached down to you. He's already performed on Calvary the necessary task to get you into heaven. You'll never be able to reach God. God has already reached you. They may have church in their name. They may have a cross on the side of the building. But I want to tell you, they're telling you, you've got to do this in order to get right to be in heaven. And God is saying, no, 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 no. It's already been done. The price has already been paid on Calvary. Religion says, here's what you've got to do to gain access. Biblical Christianity says, you can't do anything. It's already been done. And over and over again, Jesus is confronting the Pharisees. The blood of goats and of bulls and of rams were offering, uh, just flowing freely here. And Jesus Christ is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's what he said in John 14, 6. Now, the Jews said in John 2, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. Now, now listen, the Jews then said, it took us 46 years to build this temple. And you mean to tell us that you're going to raise it up in three days? Now listen to the rest of the scripture. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. See, the Pharisees are saying, give us a sign, give us a sign. What right do you have to come in this temple and to tell us these things? We want to know a sign of that. He's speaking about his body. They said, it took us over 40 years to build this temple. They have no clue what Jesus is saying. You know what Jesus is saying? I want to tell you what he's saying to you and me today. He's saying, if your stock is in water baptism, you're going to go to hell. He's saying, if your stock is in the Baptist church, you're doomed. If your stock is in not drinking or not running around, you're going to be destroyed. Jesus is saying, there's only one temple that you can get to heaven through, and that's me, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So he shows us the corruptness of the system. Then secondly, though, he, it gives us here that the fact that Jesus is God in the flesh, the deity of the Savior. Now, Jesus is probably somewhere around 29 A.D. or so. In give a few, take a few. Uh, he's prophesying 40 years before the temple is destroyed. You say, how does he know that? Because he's God. Do you understand God knows more about what's happening tomorrow than we know about what happened yesterday? Because God is timeless. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the A to Z. He's before. He's now. He's in the future. 
See, when other prophets, i got to move past here, when other prophets, Elijah, Elijah, uh, Jeremiah, Micah, Malachi, all of those prophets were prophesying, they had to get a word from God and then come back and tell the people what God had told them. Not Jesus. He don't have to get a word from God. He is God. He don't have to listen to anybody. He don't have to interpret anything. He is God. Every fiber did. Let me give you the third thing here. The scripture is dependable also. The first temple was built by Solomon. Uh, 586 B.C. It was destroyed by the Babylonians. Along about 516 B.C., Zerubbabel comes along in the era of Nehemiah and Ezra. And uh, so from about 516 to about A.D. 70, this temple stood. Now, Herod had made some great additions to it, fluffed it up and made it huge and everything. It actually bore his name also. They thought it would last forever. A Roman general by the name of Vespasia set up a siege, and he was going to literally cut off the flow of supplies to to Jerusalem and to the temple here. They were going to have to give up. And then he got to thinking at home one night. He said, you know, if I do that, that's not going to show people how strong I am. I don't need to just let them surrender. I need to go in there and take that thing. And so he begins to build ladders, and they're going to take Jerusalem there and uh, demonstrate his power. Well, uh, something happened. Nero died in Rome. And so they called uh, Vespasia to go back to Rome to be the emperor of Rome. And so Vespasia told his son, look, you're in charge here. Vespasia had said, we're not going to destroy the temple. But Titus said, oh, yeah, we are. We're going to wipe it out. Now, you look there. If the emperor had not died in Rome, if Vespasia had not been called back to Rome, if Titus had not taken over the siege of Jerusalem, the temple may have survived. There's only one little problem. Ezekiel 21 prophesied it would take place just exactly like it did. Mm. Folks, I want to tell you something. Prophecy is nothing more than history written in advance. Uh, Jesus is saying here to these disciples, I'm going to prophesy something that's going to happen 40 years down the road, but just to kind of whet your appetite to let you know that I'm telling you the truth, I'm going to prophesy something that's going to happen right now in the next two days. They're going to crucify me and destroy me, but I'm going to rise again on the third day. Wow. Now, I want to tell you, this system is corrupt. If their system is corrupt, what is the right system? Grace. Nothing but grace. You're where you are today because of the grace of God. You say, well, I did it. You wouldn't have done that if God hadn't given you the strength to do it. So you mouth off all you want to. I'm telling you, you're depraved and you're where you are because of the grace of God. And then the second thing is, we need to understand Jesus is God in the flesh. He's God's son. And the third thing is the dependability of the Word of God. The Bible is God's Word. Let me tell you, if you will understand that grace is God's way, Jesus is God's Son, and the Bible is God's Word, you'll be able to tackle anything in life comes your way. Those are the three principles. Now, let me give you the second thing here. And I'm through. Jesus mentions a time of deception. He's on the Mount of Olives. They're questioning him privately. And he says 
you see to it that you take caution. Listen, don't be deceived. Take caution. I want to tell you, I, I told the group this morning over at Arabella, if you guys want an enlightening, get you a good nap this afternoon, about a three or four-hour nap. And then along about 1 o'clock this morning, get up. Turn the TV on the Christian stations. You'll drop your jaw. Peter Popoff's on there selling miracle water from Russia. And you know why he's selling it? Because people are buying it. Mike Murdoch is on there saying, you send me $50 and I'm going to bless you. Benny Hinn's on there blowing half in the Coliseum down. Folk, I want to tell you, a guy who can blow and half the Coliseum fall, he don't need a TV show, he needs a mint. He said, come on, people, get in the Word of God. Jesus said, caution, don't be deceived. A lot of folk are going to come. If I was British, I'd call it poppycock. But I'm redneck, so I'll call it hogwash. <laughs> and people will stand in line for days to get in to see something like that, and they won't walk across the street or get up on Sunday morning to hear the Word of God. You better pay attention, Jesus said. You better have your eyes open. You better stay on guard. Honey, close your ears right now, okay? <laughs> we got some critters in our house. And uh, my wife handles snakes, and she handles, I mean, she, I mean, I don't mean she handles snakes, but I'm just telling you, <laughs> she's, she's not afraid of snakes, she's not afraid of roaches, but those little old bitty critters that move real fast with a tail on them, she don't like them. I mean, they freak her out. And I'm not fond of them. But a couple of nights ago, she said, you set traps. So I set traps. I'm going to reveal something she don't know yet. Last night I set traps again. She said this morning, did we get them? No, didn't get them. We're going to set traps again tonight. I said, we will. But you know what they did? They took the peanut butter off three of those traps. <laughs> now I'm going to tell you, I'm going to fool them. I got a 410 and I'm going to sit there waiting for them tonight. I guarantee you I'm going to get them. You know what the whole theme behind that is? You got to be smarter than the bait. And undoubtedly, those critters were. They've got, you've got to be smarter than the bait. Listen, the theological truth is that you've got to know more than the bait knows. The devil is going to send you signs that say, do this, do that, go here, go there. You've got to be smarter than the bait. And the only way to be smarter than the bait, that's why building for eternity is so vital. You've got to know the Word of God. And then we've got to teach the Word of God to our children and our young people. And they've got to be able to know when they see a sign, that that ain't from God. We're smarter than the bait. That's not from God. You know, I hope you know, false teachers don't show up with a false teacher sign across their front. They show up in a suit. Usually it's a three-piece. That's why I wear a two-piece. 
they show up in a suit. I mean, who, who do you think is going to deceive you? Some charlatan that comes in looking like that or some preacher that's going to stand in the pulpit? I want folks to tell you this world's ripe for the coming of Christ. He's coming soon. When a preacher can smile on TV and you buy what he's got, hook, line, and sinker, you say, preacher, I know who you're talking about, and I don't like that. I like him. You ought to be ashamed. Don't tell that around somebody that's been in the Word of God. Because somebody might stand up and say, you're an idiot. <laughs> All these prophecy uh, things, the, the Lord's coming back. And, and we're wanting to push prosperity and all of this junk that's going on today. Second Timothy 4 says this, the time's coming. Could I just bear, uh, paraphrase that for you? The time is here when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. They'll say, we're not going to tolerate this mess. Some of you in this place today, if I get out of here, bless God, you'll never see me again. I want to tell you, I, I told some preacher friends this morning, there's about 20 of us get uh, together every Sunday morning, and I said, guys, let me tell you, we just need to learn to tell the truth. Do, do you know those who don't like it, I don't care what you do to cater to them, they're not going to stay here long. People are not going to sit in a church where the Word of God is being taught, where Sunday school teachers are teaching, thus saith the Lord. They're not going to sit there long when they don't want to hear that. They're going to go anyway. And you can find plenty of teachers all around us that can tell you you can drink, do abortions, live any way you want to live, cuss, do anything you want to do. Everything's all right. Everything's all right. There's a deception. He said, they'll come in my name, saying, I am. That means a forged identity. That means that dude's got the Lord's Social Security card. He's got his credit card number. And he's saying, I am he. You say, will anybody be deceived by a false prophet? Listen to what Mark 13, verse 22, down just a little bit further there it says. For false Christ and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. You say, what does that mean, preacher? That means that some false prophet can show up over here downtown somewhere and set up a tent, and he can do some miracles, and there'll be members of Woodland Hills Baptist Church that'll chase off down there to see him. Well, it's got to be from God. He did this miracle. No, you need to read verse 22. He's a false prophet. Oh. You know what a sign indicates? Nothing unless you know who did it. Unless you know who wrote the sign. It'd be like me going home. And Becky's gone. And over on the coffee pot, there's a sign. And it says, clean up these dishes, mop the floor, and fold the clothes that's in the dryer. You think I'm going to do that? I don't know who wrote that sign. <laughs> Somebody may have broken in my house trying to trick me. I ain't paying no attention to that sign. <laughs> I ain't falling for it. Let me give you the last thing. 
Now, honey, if you sign it, I'll do it. <laughs> All right? Let me give you the last thing in verse 6. There's deception. Many, many, say that word with me, many shall come in my name, saying I am, and shall deceive, say it with me, many. Whoo, don't you be one of them. Many are going to be deceived. It's tragic. Some of you in this place this morning, you've been deceived by a spouse. You've lost your family. You've lost your house. Some of you have been deceived by a child. There's no relationship there. Some of you have been deceived by a sibling, and there's tension in the family. Some of you have been deceived by a pastor or a church leader, and it's hindered your walk with God. Some of you have been deceived in business. Some of you have been deceived in investment. But I want to tell you, Jesus is talking about something far greater than that. He's talking about not losing a house or losing a car or losing money. He's talking about losing your soul. <laughs> I read in the newspaper, uh, I thought it was a joke, but it, it, it was written for the truth. I went back, it's too old now, it was years ago. It was up north, there was having theft by deception was the title of it and somebody had this car uh i i don't even, i don't think we've ever had have we ever had a mcgriff burger is that the name of it mcgriff or griffs i don't know anyhow it was a hamburger joint and the guy had a car and he had a magic glove compartment in that car and when people came into the parking lot he would say if you give me money i wrap that in a special bandana and I put it in that special magic glove compartment, and I circle the building three times, and your money multiplies. Now, how many of you know that just as soon as he went around, he exited and left? Huh? <laughs> you say, uh, you, you can't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. You've got to be smarter than the bait. If you don't get anything else, you ought to learn that this morning. You've got to be smarter than the bait is. It's terrible to be deceived and to lose things. But Jesus is talking about being deceived and losing your soul. Revelation 14, 9 says, Another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he'll be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Let me shut it down. Grace is the way to God. Jesus is the Son of God. And the Bible is the Word of God. Are you standing on those truths? Maybe today, more than anything in this world, you need to come and say, look, I've tried to get to heaven. I've tried to live a good life. I've tried to do this. I've tried to do that. Nothing seems to work. Nothing will work apart from Jesus. Nothing will work apart from Jesus. Maybe today God's calling you to be saved this very day. Maybe today you need to have a church home that will stand on the word of God and be truth about the word of God. I invite you to come. Father, thank you today for the joy to be in this house. Thank you for the joy you've given us to be able to give back to you a gift and to support this children's ministry. Thank you, Lord, for those who've been faithful, those who've sacrificially given to make all of this happen.
Now, Lord, we come the most important time of this entire service. This is the time, Lord Jesus. We're asking you to, to, Lord, touch souls and through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, draw them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ right now. Lord, would you do it? Would you have your way in every soul, in every life that's in this building right now? Oh, God, help us today not to be deceived. May we be cautious. May we be ready. May we know the Word of God. May we teach it to our families and not be deceived. Have your way right now. In Jesus' name, amen.